Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to this episode of Off the Beaten Track. My guest tonight, at the tender age of four, attended his first race at Daytona International Speedway to watch his idols, Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Sr. compete. Toby Christie, welcome to Off the Beaten Track. Hey, thank you, uh, Nathan. So, Toby, I want to go over your impressive resume here. Uh, your first race, of course, uh, again, like we said, was 1993 at the Daytona 500, I believe, correct? Yeah, it was actually the first race I watched on TV. First one I actually attended in, in person uh, was 97 Texas, first race there. Texas, yes. Um, you started writing as a hobby for a Bleacher Report in 2007. Mm-hmm. Doesn't everyone start at the Bleacher Report pretty much and then work their way up from there? <laughs> It feels that way anymore. I know a lot of people uh, that are currently working their way up uh, started there. Kelly Crandall, I know, uh, was kind of over there around the same time I was, and she's uh, signed on with NBC Sports now, and uh, there's just a bunch of us that kind of started there. Yeah. Um, I did a very brief stint from uh, myself on uh, on that um, blog. Um, I have my own blog now, it's listblog.com. So. Um, very cool. It looks like you were... Yeah, you worked at uh, Rub- uh, Discovered Rubbing Racing. You became a staff writer there in 2008. You worked at the senior writer in 2009. And in 2010, you met Carrie Murphy, which is the uh, final lap weekly host at a NASCAR awards banquet. Tell me about uh, Carrie. Yeah. How did you meet him? Well, I mean, we were sitting at table 83 uh, at the awards banquet, uh, literally right next to each other, and uh, introduced ourselves, and I'd actually heard his show before, and he had read my stuff before, so uh, it was a pretty fun conversation. At the end of the night, we uh, exchanged information and uh, said, hey, you never know, we might end up working together, and uh turns out the, the year after that, uh, he called me and said, hey, would you mind coming on and doing a few uh, spot guest things here and there, and I was like, no, no problem. So uh, after a few guest uh, gigs here and there with him, uh, uh, by the next season, uh, he he contacted me and said he was looking to make a change uh, on his on his co-hosting spot, and said he'd be interested in having me on there. And so that's kind of where that all started, and that's how the show's kind of taken off from there. Yeah, it looks like in 2012 you joined uh, Final App Weekly as the co-host. Yeah, um, yeah you were offered a NASCAR. 
And you were offered a NASCAR editor position in 2015 off-season at Motorsports Tribune? Yeah, yeah, motorsportstribune.com. That's where I write right now. And uh, we've got a talented uh, team of uh, writers and editors over there, and uh, it's just awesome to be a part of it. And tell me some of your favorite stories you've covered as a NASCAR writer. Oh, man, there's there's been a ton of them. Uh, I mean, this year alone there's been enough uh, to write an entire book about. But uh, uh, I would say definitely uh, Jeff Gordon's retirement uh, uh, deal was pretty special, especially with how competitive he was all the way down to the end. Right, uh, right. Another retirement deal like Tony Stewart this year was pretty exciting as well when he when he got that win at Sonoma. Mm-hmm. So I, there's just a ton of ton of different stories uh, since 2007 that I've covered, and uh, I don't know which one would rank up there at the top. There's a bunch of them that are pretty pretty impressive, uh, so it's kind of hard to, mm-hmm. to really rank them. But uh, right. it's been a fun journey so far. Uh, who was your inspiration that got you into writing? Well, actually, I've uh, always uh, read things like NASCAR Illustrated and uh, used to always check out different websites online uh, back when I was younger and, and read that way. And uh, I don't know, I've just always liked motorsports journalism. Uh, I don't like writing about many other things. <laughs> but yep. uh, writing writing about NASCAR really suits me, and I, I like it a lot. Uh, as long as people keep reading it and thinking I'm okay at it, I guess I'll keep going. But uh Right. Yeah, right, uh, there was right. just a lot of guys like Steve Wade uh, was one of the big ones I used to to read all the time, and uh, I'd say he's probably probably one of the bigger inspirations on on, on the actual writing front. Um, I think my favorite master writer for Master Illustrated was um, I believe her name was Carolyn. Mm-hmm. Carolyn Brewster. Carolyn Brewster. She used to write stories in the beginning of the magazine, and I would literally look for that magazine to come in the mail every month and pick up that magazine <laughs> and look at the Carolyn story. I just followed her to the bitter end until they closed. Yeah. And I actually, I did a little bit of uh, work with Carolyn my, my first year, uh, really doing things hardcore in the media center and all that stuff back in 2010. Uh, great lady. That, that, that is a, an awesome person. Uh, so I don't know, I don't know what she's doing currently, but uh, she was a heck of a writer. Right. What's the difference uh, between writing about NASCAR versus doing a podcast? Do you take uh, do you cater to different audiences? Yeah, I mean, definitely. There's exciting when you write about it, and it wouldn't be so exciting uh, when you're doing it on the radio. Uh, mainly, things that are breaking and uh, really topical, uh, as you typically write about. Uh, by the time we get on our show, we record Wednesdays. It comes out. Uh, Sometimes Fridays, Thursdays, Saturdays, depends on when people are listening to it. So you don't really want to be too much dedicated to deadline kind of stuff. Um, right. But there's there's different ways of going about it. You know, you write an article about what a driver said. Uh, you're, you're quoting them, but you kind of have to make the story yourself. When you're doing a podcast, you can really let their words kind of take over the story because, you know, people are listening to them at that point. But uh, right. I don't know, it's, it's kind of it's a different uh, different kind of deal. And you guys had Alex Bowman on your podcast not too long ago, is that correct? Yeah, I think uh, this past week he was on there. I interviewed him back in Texas, and uh, that's, uh, that was a fun interview. And do you think he's going to have uh, a seat filled between um, the AE car for next year, or do you think he's going to share it with Dale? I mean, I think Dale will be back in the 88 car. Uh, I think that's been Dale's intention all along. Uh, he, he thinks he's on track to be back for the Daytona 500. Um, are you talking about the Xfinity Series car? Uh, no, the Sprint Cup car, actually. Okay. 
because the Xfinity, the Sprint Cup Series car is is going to be Dale unless something drastically happens or there's a, a real absent in his recovery. But uh, as far as the Xfinity Series goes as well, Alex Bowman is not signed on with Junior Motorsports for next season either. He's kind of a free agent, and, and right now it doesn't look like Alex Bowman's got a ride. As as unjust as that seems, uh, it looks like Alex right, Bowman right, might be on the outside looking in. Yeah, I know because he. I know in the interview that he said that uh, he pretty much has no plans for next year at the moment, and he's just kind of doing what he does for now until he gets you know some solid uh, plans come his way. So, mm-hmm. and for a guy who led almost 200 laps at uh, Phoenix and was sitting there right working for the win uh, on the final restart, got bumped out of the way. Uh, that's kind of a hard pill to swallow that that you might not have a ride going into the next season when you're when you're competing in that kind of a level in the NASCAR Sprint Cup Series. Right. Now let's talk about the final lap weekly. Um, you and your uh, host, Kerry Murphy, uh, do you find that you have a difference of opinion on the show? Oh, definitely. That's that's what makes it fun. Kerry, uh, uh, admittedly, is a 48 fanboy. So <laughs> if you're an insider oh, wow. of our show, uh, anytime Jimmy Johnson wins or something, it's not uncommon for there to be entire segments of nothing but Jimmy Johnson audio. So uh, yeah. it gets people laughing and talking and we've got a lot of inside jokes but uh, yeah when there's arguments going on we, we usually have different sides uh, of the of the opinion there like uh, he still believes that uh, Joey Logano was on the right last year I, I still side with Matt Kenseth I think Matt Kenseth was on the right side of that thing last year yes um, yeah when uh, when they wrecked each other I think it was oh, I can't remember what race track it was but um yeah, there was there was a, a lot of different opinions on who was right and who was wrong in that particular case, um, only because one of them was going for a championship and one of them was not. Well, if you remember, the other one was also going for a championship before he was wrecked out a couple times by Penske teammates, and that right. was Matt Kenseth. And so that's really why yeah. I kind of justified what he had done. I mean, I don't like seeing it at the level he did it, but, uh, I mean, something had to give there. He'd been, he'd been roughed up several weeks in a row, and at some point you either keep taking it or you kind of put your foot down. Exactly. Um, what would you say to someone who wants to get into writing about motorsports? Do you have any advice for them? Well, I mean, you just got to find a, a good place to start with a good team uh, where you can learn a lot of uh, a lot of tricks of the trade. Uh, I know for somebody like me, I didn't go to college or anything like that. I wasn't an aspiring writer until 2007 when I when I went ahead and tried uh, things out as a hobby for for Bleacher Report, but. Uh, the, the crucial thing is getting paired up with the right people so you can learn uh, on the fly and figure it all out. Uh, I had the, the pleasure of uh, being paired up with uh, one of my greatest friends of all time, Farrah Kay, um, when I first started. Uh, she was uh, brilliant and uh, knew a lot about writing and knew a lot about the English language and taught me a lot of things I didn't know. Uh, I still put commas in weird spots every now and again, but uh, I put a lot less of them in places now. So it makes people that edit my stuff uh, make their life a lot easier, but uh, uh, I also learned a lot exactly. of things which helped me in my editing uh, situation right now. So that's the crucial thing is being paired up with the right people. And uh, unfortunately, mm-hmm. Farah is no longer with us. Uh, she actually passed away earlier this year, but uh, that's the person that I would yeah. credit my success towards uh, is Farah. And uh, what NASCAR driver would you like to get the chance to interview? Oh, man, which NASCAR driver would I like the chance to interview? I mean, I've I've interviewed a lot of them. Uh, man, I mean, Dale Earnhardt Jr. is a hard one to get nailed down uh, because his schedule's so mm-hmm. uh, so intense. Uh, but I have talked right. to him on occasions. 
So, I mean, that's the one I'd really like to have an exclusive one-on-one with, uh, an extensive one-on-one. Uh, I've done little five-minute snippets here and there with them. But, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I guess that would be the guy I'd like to do a full 10-minute, 15-minute uh, deal on the final lap weekly. Um, he is a hard man to get a hold of. I know this another podcast that I follow here in Boston that um, is trying to nail down Dale Jr. as well. And it's like, you know, there are people talking to his people and trying to get schedules nailed down. And it's just, he's, he's too much of a moving target at this point. And, you know, his recovery and everything is crucial. So, I mean, they're trying to get him, but they were able to, to interview uh, Jeff Gordon live in New Hampshire, which was pretty good, so. Yeah, Jeff Gordon's always a good interview. That guy, he's forgotten more about racing than most of us will ever know. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah, definitely. He's just so articulate when he talks as well. Mm-hmm. Um, how much goes into how much work goes into a weekly podcast? Into a weekly podcast? <laughs> I mm-hmm. mean, man, we we do a lot of uh, research, uh, trying to make sure we get the stats right, and sometimes we still don't. Uh, fans will call us out on that every now and again, but. Uh, there's a lot of statistical research. We've got to kind of craft our stories we want to talk about beforehand. Uh, Carrie and I will, will chit-chat uh, throughout the week and, and throughout the weekend and kind of get on the same page with each other. So there's there's quite a bit uh, of work, actually. Um, and then on the other end, uh, Carrie does the editing once we're done. So uh, I get the easy part. I just I just help research and talk, and then <laughs> and poor Carrie's got to edit it all. But uh, there, there's quite a bit right. of time uh, involved in the uh, the podcasting. And uh, tell me about the Daily Pit Stop. It says here that you um, write the Daily Pit Stop, which is your own website. Yeah, that was a a project I had going uh, back in, what was it, about 2012, I'd say. Um, I started up my own own website and brought in a few people like Vera that I mentioned earlier that I had worked with earlier in uh, my writing career. And uh, uh, brought in a few other talented people, Katie Koppel and a couple others, and uh, we did some really good stuff uh, in a little bit of time we were around. We were only around, uh, I'd say, about two seasons. Um, but uh, during that time, Farrah actually won an NPA National Motorsports Press Association award uh, with us. And, wow. Uh, yeah. But uh, we'd we'd done some good stuff, and it was uh, it was a fun time. Uh, it's no longer around, but uh, it, it was interesting seeing how the whole running the website thing uh, went as well, because. I'd always been critical of people that I worked for as far as their websites going, come on, why can't we right. do this? Why can't we change this? Why can't we get this going? And then I saw the other end of it. And I was like, well, okay, that's that's why they were always telling me we couldn't get this quite right <laughs> just now. So yep. uh, it exactly. more sense. <laughs> what's, your tra- uh, what's your favorite track to visit? A favorite track to visit? I would say Las Vegas Motor Speedway um, has probably the nicest media center out there. <laughs> and uh, any SMI track, they really, really treat you right. Um, Texas Murphy way I go to every season. Uh, it's in my backyard, so it's pretty, pretty easy to make. Um, right. But I, I'd say that those two places are probably the most accommodating that I've been to so far. Uh, <laughs> the track that I keep hearing should be getting an overhaul as far as their media facilities is uh, Phoenix. And uh, I've been in that dungeon of a, a media center before, and that one's not as fun. Um, but uh, for the most yeah. part, most of them are pretty nice facilities. Um, I've been in New Hampshire. That one's pretty nice as well, too. So. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of your memories from your first race 
uh, at just four years old. I know that was a TV race. Um, so were you a big fan of the Earnhardts at that point? Well, I mean, I hadn't – that was my first race I'd ever seen. Hadn't really known anything about the race. I was just four. And uh, my family was like, hey, we're going to watch the Daytona 500 today. And I thought, okay, whatever. Uh, turn it on, and over the next three and a half hours – uh, I, I was hooked. Uh, so, I mean, there was there was drama all the way around. Uh, you know, I didn't know the gravity of the situation that Dylan Hart hadn't won a Daytona 500 just yet. But uh, uh, you know, it looked special. Uh, my my family was kind of on the edge of their seats, hoping he could get the win. But uh, of course, in a, right. in a classic duel between he and Dale Jarrett, Dale Jarrett actually got the win. Uh, but yeah. it was just really exciting. Rusty Wallace took a heck of a tumble during that race, and. Uh, that was kind of a, a whoa moment for a, for a four-year-old kid watching on TV. And, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And just seeing Ned Jarrett on, on the edge of his seat as well, calling his son home uh, for the win in that race, that was just a total package for, for a first-time race fan. That was a great race to get started on. And uh, ever since the 93 did 500 at the age of four, I've I've been totally hooked. Now, you said you attended your first race at Texas. Yeah, back in '97, the very first race uh, out there at TMS, and uh, that was that was interesting from a traffic standpoint and a mud field standpoint. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. But uh, um, yeah, that, how, that was a weird that was a weird race also because in turn one, uh, very first lap, the entire field wipes out. That was just, wow. uh, just very very wild. <laughs> So that must mean you were about, what, seven or eight at that time? Yeah, yeah, that would, that would put it about right. So, yeah, for an eight-year-old to see uh, 43 sprint cup cars or whatever the number was at that time, wiping out all at once, that must have been something. Yeah, it was it was definitely wild. And I, I remember there was a uh, shootout for a while in that thing with Jeff Gordon and Ernie Irvin. And uh, it looked like Jeff Gordon was going to get it done that day. <laughs> course he had a long stretch of bad luck at Texas Motor Speedway but uh Ernie Irvin was lapping a lap car uh slammed right into him slid up the track and took Jeff Gordon out in a very vicious crash uh as well wow. and, and it was just a, a a wild day there at Texas I know there was from what people don't understand these days from watching that old race is the track was actually a little bit more narrow coming off turn four than it is now and uh that was by design to make things a little bit more difficult <laughs> and uh the drivers didn't understand. They thought it was the same as Charlotte and the same as uh, Atlanta after it was reconfigured and all that stuff. And uh, well, they came off turn four that first time, and, and people were just pop, just plowing through that wall. And uh, so a few years later, they had to widen that part of the track out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now I'm going to ask you a little bit of a tough question. Um, okay. As a motorsport writer, as a podcaster, when you come across stories that you have to cover that are tragedies stories about racers that get killed, stories about racers that get injured and have to hang up their helmets and ending careers. Um, how do you approach that as a motorsports writer without putting in too much um, feeling into the story? I mean, you have to put feeling into the story, obviously, and you have to cover the story from a perspective of not just a writer, but also a fan, but you have to remove yourself as a fan sometimes because that means that you're going to get too emotional. You know, So how do you cover a story like that? For like instance, you know, the 
the 2001 when Dale Sr. died and um, the helicopter crash with uh, Ricky Hendrick and, you know, um, things like that where the tragedies take over the story. How do you compose yourself enough to write that and pass that story on to the fans that are reading your stuff? It's uh, extremely difficult um, in situations like that. You don't ever, uh, in your wildest dreams, expect or want to write about something like that when the day starts. Um, things in this sport do take crazy turns, though, uh, like the Tony Stewart deal a couple of years ago with uh, Kevin Ward Jr. Um, mm-hmm. the, yeah. the most important thing is just to be sensitive enough um, to the people that are, that are reading your work Uh one of their family members could be reading that. Uh, anybody who has been a huge fan of either one of those individuals or any situation where something like this has happened, you've got to tread very, very lightly. Uh, just report the facts. Uh, try not to get too emotional with it. Uh, like you were saying, you've just got to really stick to what we know, what has been proven, and and where we go from here. You, you can't start adding too many other things in there. Uh, right. Because then it turns into an opinion piece, and, and then you're you're kind of speculating on something that you don't even know about. So uh, the most important thing is just stick to the facts um, in a situation right. like that. And it's very hard to do, like you were saying, with the emotions of the situation. Um, it's it's involving somebody that everyone's close to. The fans are close to them because they've looked up to the guy or, or girl in some cases uh, forever. That's their idol, and it's it's hard for the press, too, because we, we work with these people all the time. How do you cover stories that involve um, drivers that get in trouble? Not just penalties for the week, not just, you know, loss of crew chief, loss of time, loss of pit road selections, but drivers that actually get arrested, drivers that actually go to court, drivers that actually get, you know, um, subpoenaed for, you know, abuse or things like that. How do you cover stories like that? Is it the same type of situation where you have to just report the facts, get to the point, tell us, tell the readers about that particular story and not put your opinion on it? Is that the same thing? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's definitely the, the way you want to approach it. I mean, if you're if you're wanting to be taken seriously and you're not one to just purposely stir up stuff, uh, the, the best way to go about it is just stick to the facts. Um, as a writer, your opinion in those kind of situations should not be the thing that, that makes the story. It, it should just be the reporting of the facts. And that's the thing readers really respect a lot is in situations like that. If you give them the complete facts, the 100% truth, you do your homework, um, you make sure that you're not reporting something that's not correct, um, they will be back to you nine times out of ten because you're the you're the guy who got it right. And they know that whatever you write on there, they, they can definitely trust. And <laughs> I don't break too many stories. I, I broke a story that was incorrect a few years ago, and uh, that was by jumping the gun. I had a, a source that told me uh, something about a sponsor that wasn't going to be coming back to a team. And uh, I I did my due diligence, I thought, and checked it out, and it wasn't correct in the end. <laughs> and uh, so I've been very careful of situations like that. Uh, I got burned once on that, and I, I won't let that happen again. Uh, right. The port, important thing in this sport and any anything you cover as a journalist, you want to make sure that you're reporting the complete truth and you want to make sure that you've done your due diligence and, and checked it all the way out. Um, and that, that's all I can really say about stuff like that is you just got to make sure the facts right. are right. Right. 
And um, one of the last couple questions I'll ask, um, who do you want to see as a sponsor for next year? Because Sprint is leaving the the uh, sponsorship in 2017. So who do you want to see take over as a sponsor for the Sprint Cup or the, uh, for the Cup? Right. And it looks like right now one of the front runners is Monster Energy Drink. I would actually like to see that. That would be pretty good. Um, that would possibly help uh, bring in some younger fans with the uh, Monster Energy mm-hmm. Drink brand. Um, mm-hmm. It would also possibly loosen up the rules um, as far as what these drivers are allowed to do uh, when they get out of the car or, or when they're trying to retaliate and stuff like that. That Those are the moments that really made this sport great coming up through the years. It's just the raw emotion. And uh, right. the last uh, decade, decade and a half, that's kind of been stripped away. I know we've had brief flashes of it um, over the last mm-hmm. few years, but it's just not what it used to be. So um, everything is a little too politically correct in NASCAR uh, these days. So I think if we had a sponsor uh, like Monster Energy Drink that kind of thrives on uh, energy moments and stuff like that, I think that could help right. uh, relax some of those rules. Right, because you've got the helmet throws by Tony Stewart. You've got Danica getting out of the car and pointing her finger at the driver that did her wrong. You've got Jennifer Joe Cobb getting out of the car on the track and running up to the car that did her wrong. I mean, and and I understand the whole Kevin Ward situation, what happened with him. But, you know, these helmet throws and he's getting out of the car and pointing your finger and stuff like that. I mean, you want to see this. It's almost like you're going to a hockey game and you want to see a fight because that's what you're there for. Not just the hockey yeah. game, but the fight as well. Yeah, That puts the emotion into the sport. Exactly. You can feel it building throughout the entire course of a race and the entire course of a season. And it, it's like a pressure cooker. It gets to a certain point and it's got to explode. And uh, if, if you're not allowed to have it explode, then that's where you get into some weird situations. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, like I said, I think I think if we get somebody like Monster Energy Drink to sponsor the series, I think that would help a lot of that. Yeah. And last question, who's your pick for the Spring Cup title for this year? Man, you know, it's a four-guy, winner-take-all. Uh, you got uh, Kevin Harvick's out of it, so uh, that, that kind of opens up the, the, the tables for a lot of people. Uh, mm-hmm. You've got Jimmy Johnson, Joey Logano, uh, Carl Edwards, and you've got Kyle Busch looking to be uh, the first two-time uh, – <laughs> back-to-back uh, champion since Jimmy Johnson did it. They'd be the only two active drivers right. to do that if Kyle could pull it off. Um, but mm-hmm. just from what I've seen over the last few weeks, the Joe Gibbs cars don't seem to have the same speed uh, that they had going into the chase. And it really, really looks like the Hendrick Motorsports Chevrolets are are <laughs> where they should be. And it's, yeah. it's just crazy that uh, they were so far off going into the chase and that now all of a sudden they're so far on um, right, but it looks like it looks like they've found something. And uh, from what I've seen, I know Jimmy Johnson's never won at Homestead before, but he's also never had to no, go to Homestead and, and, and win before. Right, he's going to Homestead. He's going to win, and he's going to get a seventh title because this is history. He's going to make history this year because he just flipped that switch. They just flipped the switch when the J started, and they just started coming out of the gate. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with you. I think we're going to see history made, um, and if it happens, that's that's impressive. Three, we would have three people with seven championships in NASCAR history, and when you look at those names, Richard Petty, Dale Earnhardt, and Jimmy Johnson, if he is to get that seventh title this year, that is a very illustrious uh, group of, of drivers there. It is, definitely. Toby Christie, I appreciate you joining us on Off the Beaten Track. 
Yeah, thanks for having me on. And if you'd like to be a guest on our show or know anyone who would, email otbtpodcast at gmail.com. That's otbtpodcast at gmail.com. Or find us on Facebook and Off the Beaten Track. This has been a Blog Talk Radio production, and I wish you all a good night. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.